The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. As we come hurtling towards the close of Advent, we turn to these stories about Jesus' parents. Most of us are familiar, of course, with the Annunciation, the visit of the angel to Mary. That's a story that comes out of Luke. This year, we get the parallel story that comes out of Matthew, and the focus of this story is on Joseph. In it, Matthew embeds that ancient prophetic language that if any of us have hung around the tradition for any length of time are aware, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall be named Emmanuel, that means God with us. Scholars have spilled a lot of ink over that particular passage, but we get it twice today. We get it first in its original context, and then we get it in Matthew. The message for us about God being born among us is, of course, a message of hope for this final week of Advent But there is also a context that is critically important for us to hear today because we are also dealing with two sons of David. One of them we know pretty well, Joseph. The other one we may not know quite so well, Ahaz. Ahaz stands sort of at the beginning of this tradition and he has something to teach us. Not only about the kings of ancient Israel, but also about ourselves this time of year. And a message about Advent that we would all do well to heed. 
Now, most of us at this point in the season are starting to feel just a little bit of stress. Is that true for you? It's true for me. I hear some laughter. That's a good sign. Maybe I've hit on a truth for some of us at least. Families are starting to gather. People's travel arrangements are starting to unfold. Viruses notwithstanding, we have Christmas shopping to do and the tree to finish for those of us who have a tree. And there are a lot of anxieties that really come to a head this week. The message of Advent, interestingly enough, is to finally at last acknowledge that we are not in control. Like my learning this year, I am not in control of the Christmas pageant. Let me say that again. I am not in control of the Christmas pageant. I'll say it for a third time. I am not in control of the Christmas pageant. It's starting to get Shakespearean a little bit. Methinks thou dost protest too much, you know? But there's a constant reminder as plans change and the cast shifts and so many of our young families are traveling and we've pulled together a kind of ragtag team that we're going to try to pull this off and blow it wide open to the community and see who the spirit blows in. We may be surprised, pleasantly or otherwise, but we are not in control. For the first time in many years, I hasten to add, You know, the the Christmas pageant is designed to run like a well-oiled machine. And we relied for at least the years leading up to the pandemic on lots of families and lots of children who wanted to participate. We have none of that this year. So what's going to happen? Your guess is as good as mine. Although Cliff is sitting back there with his thumbs up. We're going to pull it off. Always the optimist. This is why we love you. This is actually part of the lesson of today's readings. And it goes something like this. Ahaz was a shrewd king. He was king of Judea. But he was also a king who was trembling in his sandals because the king of Aram and the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, had conspired to invade Jerusalem. And word reached Ahaz, and he did not know what to do story goes, we hear a portion of it today, that God speaks to Ahaz and say, ask for a sign. (laughs) And Ahaz, being very shrewd, says, no way. No way. Because I may get a divine sign that I don't want. Isaiah is either summoned or just shows up. My guess is probably the latter, because prophets like to pop up when we least want them to, right? Isaiah shows up and says, Oi, you're going to get a prophecy anyway and a sign, and this is what it's going to be. A young woman shall conceive and bear a child, and the child's name shall be Emmanuel. And before this child is weaned, The two kings that you fear, the king of Aram and the king of Israel, will no longer be a threat. Now, for a faithful king, that's good news, right? But as I said before, Ahaz is shrewd. 
And so what does he do? Like a good manager, he hedges his bets. So he sends a great gift of tribute to the king of Assyria, which is one of the superior military powers of the day. And he gets chummy with the king of Assyria. And you could say that Ahaz kind of sells his soul to save his kingship. And indeed, what King Ahaz wants and what the prophecy says comes to pass. Assyria invades Israel and Aram, but leaves Jerusalem alone. Except that Ahaz has not only sold his soul, he's sold the kingdom, and it becomes a vassal kingdom to Assyria. And Ahaz is so enamored of this that he actually brings an altar down and puts it in God's temple, and it's based on the designs of Assyria. There is even some suggestion that Ahaz engages in a sacrifice of one of his sons to the ancient god Molech. So that if you go back to the annals of kings, Ahaz is considered one of the worst descendants of David. If you know anything about the kings descended from David, that's saying something. So the question is before us, was Ahaz faithful or not? Matthew is very deliberate. He has the angel say to Joseph in Joseph's dream, He addresses him as a son of David. Joseph is the other son of David in the story today, right? Now, Joseph is not a king. In fact, he's not much of anybody. He's a carpenter. He's a tradesman. He lives in a small town, Nazareth, in Galilee, which is kind of out of the way. But Joseph is a man of his time. Joseph has plans. And it goes something like this. Joseph will marry. Hopefully he will bear a son. His son will inherit the family business and carry it forward. And the whole plan, you'll pardon the expression, goes to hell in a handbasket when he discovers that Mary is pregnant. And Joseph knows he's not the dad. Oops. Being in a small town, word is probably already out. And Joseph, as I said, being a first century man, knows that his reputation, that is his honor, is on the line. And that means everything is on the line, including the family business, subject to the local gossips. So Joseph leans into his tradition a little bit and turns to what a righteous patriarch should do, and that is quietly get rid of the woman who has brought him dishonor. He could publicly disgrace Mary and make life horrible for her, but he decides no to do it quietly. Send her back to her family. 
She can have the child there in peace, and then Joseph can get on with his life and maybe find another bride. But the angel says, nope, this is not the plan. This is not God's plan. You are going to take Mary for your wife. Joseph must have had some point of decision at that point, right? He he must have thought, really? Because if I do this, my reputation will never be good. Putting everything on the line. Everybody knows the child isn't mine. But then to add insult to injury, the angel goes further and said, this child is going to be for the salvation of his people. Joseph might have been tempted to say, excuse me, no, no, he's, he's supposed to inherit the family business and keep things running. That's how this plan works. But instead of doing any of that, Joseph listens and steps out into the complete unknown. Because by taking Mary as his wife, he's taking on all of the gossip. By naming his son Jesus, that is, one who saves, he is setting aside the family plan to pass on the business. That means the future of the family is in doubt. The question of whether there will be a livelihood for the next generation is open. But Joseph follows in Mary's footsteps by giving himself completely over to God. It's not Joseph's plan anymore. It's God's plan. That means all bets are off. I guess you might say the difference between this son of David and the son of David Ahaz is that Joseph doesn't hedge his bets, does he? Maybe that's the message for us in the latter parts of Advent. So much of our stress is about hedging our bets, isn't it? About making sure that things work the way we want them to. About being in charge. Well, the message of today and of all the season is we are not in charge. We are not only invited to put things in God's hands, we're invited to let go of the temptation and the patterns of constantly hedging our bets. And if we listen to that calling, not only as individuals, but as a community, Advent invites us to begin to start dreaming again, like Joseph. To listen for what God is telling us outside the boxes we have made for ourselves. To open our hearts and our eyes and our ears and look for what God is telling us. 
When God says, I will give you a sign, not to be like Ahaz and say, no way. But instead to say, yes. Oh God, we are listening. Where does that lead us? The only thing we are promised is that God will be with us, right? Just like Joseph, just like Ahaz, just like Mary and Elizabeth and all of the other people we remember at this time of year. What will the pageant be like? I have no idea. But God is with us. What will Church of Our Savior be like in four months, in six months, a year from now, ten years from now? I have absolutely no idea. But we are promised God is with us. What will you be like this Christmas, next Christmas, five Christmases from now? Don't know, except that God is with us. The good news of Advent. The question is, are we ready to trust it? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.